Welcome and happy new year. Great to see you guys here. Thanks for being here. First of all, I want to thank Pastor Zach, who did a great job last week. Just give it up for Pastor Zach. He always brings it. I knew he would, and so what a great word he had last week, and so glad to be with you guys. Thanks for joining us today. I want to say hello to all of our churches who tuned in with us, as well as those online. Thank you for being with us, and our prison ministry. Thank you for joining us as well. Happy 2023. It's going to be a great year. I'm believing God for that. I really am. How I many of you guys saw last weekend the, the football game where DeMar Hamlin took the tumble and fell back, and how many of you guys saw that? And we're as shocked as I was, right? It was just downright scary. We were, we were coming back in town, and, and uh, we, were, we were at a restaurant, and Mason looked across me and said, Dad, are you watching the game? I said, a little bit. And he said, I think someone just died on the field. I was like, what? So I started watching, and it was just horrible, of course, and, and horrific and terrifying to think that someone could have almost died on the field. And when they're doing CPR, that's, that's like the last resort. And so I was like you. Stop. We actually stopped as a family and prayed. How many of you guys did that? We did that, and many of you did too, right? We just stopped and prayed and just thought, man, this poor young man, I can only imagine how terrified his family is, how terrified he is, and, and so it's horrible. But one of the most powerful things to me was, here's, you know, television networks that are typically not pro-God, um, and here, uh, I remember hearing the commentator, Dan Orlovsky, stopped and just prayed, and I thought, wow, that's so bold. I love this faith. He just said, I don't care, knowing he probably could lose his job or whatever, just prayed. And wasn't it interesting how Joe Buck and others started saying, hey, we need everyone, we're sending out prayers. So just everyone started saying, let's pray. Isn't it amazing how fast we know to turn to God when everything is falling apart? And isn't it cool how God literally healed that young man and he is doing just fine right now, which is a total miracle that we all saw. You know, it just reminds me that in the end, we all realize that there is a God that we need, you know, and he really is there for, and he wants to bless us and God did bless him. In fact, I love the fact that the young man, apparently DeMar, as soon as he woke up, he grabbed a piece of paper, he wanted to write something, and he wrote, who won? I love that. <laughs> I love that competitor spirit. And the doctor looked at him and said, you did. You won in life. And I thought, that is a beautiful answer. Isn't that great? Powerful. So powerful. I'm excited about today's message. It's, it's basically called, don't stop, don't block your blessings. And so I believe oftentimes we forget that God wants to bless us. God is a God who blesses his children. And so, in fact, when he blesses us, the word tells us in Numbers, I believe 23, tells us that when God blesses us, no man can stop it. I mean, when he wants to bless us, he will bless us. But you know the only person who can stop you from being blessed is you. And so we actually stop our own blessings. Now, how many parents in here have had that moment? Maybe when your kids are little, you're about to do something for them, and then they said something. And then they did something. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, yeah, not today, right? All of a sudden you pull back. You're like, I was going to give you this. Now you're not going to get that, right? We're going to the mall. Now you're not going. You're going to go to your friend's house. Now you're not going, right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, I was about to bless you, and nothing's going to happen right now, right? right? How many, think about that, how we do that with our kids, right, when they're little and they do that. But how many times has God done that with us? That the Lord's like, oh, I want to bless you. And he's like, oh, you did what? You said what? You, you, you didn't show gratefulness. You, you, you had attitude. You didn't trust me. And then the Lord's like, well, I want to give you that, but I, I can't. See, my kids, uh, don't tell them. I want to keep this a secret, but here's, here's the truth. They already own everything I own. They, they do. They already have the full inheritance. They just don't know it yet. But the thing is, is that the only thing that keeps me from giving them more is what? Their maturity. Right? And, and that always what it is. You know, now they're getting older now, so one day they'll eventually have everything. I mean, I'm thinking like 20 bucks each, guys. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Massive blessing. So, but the truth is, is that, you know, God is that way with us. Like the Lord wants to bestow blessings upon us, 
But what holds him back oftentimes is our immaturity, right? Our, our bad decision making. And so oftentimes we end up being our worst enemies. We end up stopping our own blessing that God wants to give us. And so I want to talk today about that, but I want to first establish something to make it real clear. Because I think we, we sometimes have a hard time understanding that God is a good God that does want to bless us. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. It says in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Now he says, I will bless you. Clear as day. I will make you famous. What it means? I'll make your name great. Basically, that means maybe in the field that you're in, maybe where you teach, where you work, where you operate, where you function, whatever it is you do, God says, I will, I want, I want to bless you and I want to make you respected by others. He tells us that very clearly. But, but then we have to finish the process. He says, so I'm doing that, so why? So then you can be a blessing to others. So that the point of God blessing us is not for ourselves, it's so that we can turn around and be a blessing to others. Of course, we do get blessed, but, but God also wants us to be blessing to others. Let me show you another scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So God clearly has a plan and is a good plan. He wants to bless your life. He says, you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to make your name great. And I want you to be blessing others. He says, I, will, I, I got good plans for you. So just to be real clear, how does God see 2023 for you? He sees it as a year of blessing. It's very clear in Scripture that He wants to bless your life. So the only thing holding that back is ourselves. So how do we get out of our own way so God can bless us? I want to give you six things that we do that we stop the blessing of God so we can quit doing these things. The first one is this. I'm going to go through this pretty quick. You ready? You guys ready? I'm ready to go. You guys ready? All right, here we go. The first thing is, number one, when you are lazy, you block God's blessing. Did you know one of the primary ways that God blesses us is through his principles, and the principle he created is called sowing and reaping or cause and effect. It's very clear. God's like, I want to bless you. I want to help you get a good grade in that test, but you got to study. He's like, I'm not going to give you a grade in the test when you don't study, right? He's like, I want to bless you with a raise, but you got to do more work than you're doing now. Like, I want to bless you with good investments, but you have to invest. You actually have to save something, spend a little less, right? So God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your marriage, but you got to put more into your marriage. He wants to bless your relationship with your kids, but you got to put more into your parenting. And so if we want God to bless us, you have to work with the principles he put in place. And so he says this in Proverbs 10, a lazy person will end up poor, but a hard worker will become rich. Those who gather crops on time are wise, but those who sleep through the harvest are a disgrace. So those who gather crops on time, also those who show up on time, those who turn on their reports on time, those who turn in their assignments on time, those who do what they're supposed to do on time, right? God's saying what? He's saying, if you'll be productive, I will bless you through that. Now it says here, I just caught this, a hard worker will become rich. It doesn't mean you're always rich. It doesn't mean you don't have tough seasons, but if you work hard, your hard work will overcome whatever struggle you're facing. So I just want to encourage you before you say, oh, I wish God would bless me. God did. He blessed you with two feet, two hands, a good mind. Get going. Yeah. Make sense? That's how he blessed you. And so God wants you to utilize what you have. And if you'll do that, then God will bless you. But sometimes we don't think it works like that. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I don't even know about all this Christian stuff. I don't know about, you know, I've been to church before and there's a bunch of people that are just hypocrites there. You know, I just know people that they say they're Christians and they don't live for the Lord. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Could someone bring me a, a throat thing? That'd be great. 
Someone from the back would be great. Thank you. So what we do is we say, God, you know, I don't know if you're going to bless me because I see other people that, that are, are Christians, but they're not living for you. You know, so they're more, therefore there must not be a God. I love that. People say there can't be a God because these, these Christians are really hypocritical. Okay, then there's also not soap because I still smell smelly people. <laughs> so there must not be soap because if there was soap, then you wouldn't be smelling so bad. I mean, you wouldn't be dirty if there was soap. See, we just, no, that's dumb. That just means it's not applied yet. So there's a God, but doesn't, not everyone's applying him correctly. Not everyone's applying his principles correctly. Does that make sense? So we have to apply the word of God. So please don't think that, oh, there's no God or there's no blessing for me. You're not applying the word of God. Thank you. So give him a hand, please. I need this. Man, if I could get this open. I'm sorry. This is hard work. I had no idea. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Sorry. Okay. God wants to bless you, but you got to put in the work. I think we forget this, that it requires our effort. Second thing is this. You may be stubbornly pursuing what is not for you. Sometimes we're like, oh, God's not blessing me. Well, maybe it's because you're just on the wrong path. I mean, how many of you guys have tried something and tried something and it's just not happening? At some point, you have to say, maybe this just isn't God's will. Maybe I'm just outside of his will. And it's okay. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to bless you. Maybe that's not the area. Or maybe you say, well, you're telling me God just never wants me to get married. No, maybe just not to that person. It doesn't mean God's not going to have you get married, just maybe not to that person. It doesn't mean God doesn't have a job for you just because you don't get that job. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to go to college just because you don't go into that school, right? And so sometimes we're going down a path that we think is God and God's not blessing it, and we get stubborn about it. But we forget that, that we got to trust the Lord, not simply the path we think the Lord has for us. Sometimes you have to change paths. It's okay to do that. Scripture says this in 1 John, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, very important key there, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that, that he, we've asked of him. So he says, if you will ask according to his will, he will bless you with that. But oftentimes we're asking something that isn't God's will. It says in Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Remember that person in high school that you were just so in love with? You're like, God, that's the one, that's the person. And then 10 years later, you go back to your high school reunion, and you're like, thank you, Jesus, for saying no. <laughs> Right? We've all had that moment. Have you ever thought back about the job you really wanted 10 years ago? And you look now and you're like, Lord, thank you where I'm at today because it's so much better than where I thought I wanted to be. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I just want to encourage you. We always see it in hindsight, but it's okay in the moment to say, God, maybe this isn't it. So I just want to encourage you rather than being stubborn and stuck on a path that maybe isn't God, God still has a path for you. That just may not be it. And so, and the longer you stay on the wrong path, the longer you're stuck. The longer you stay with the wrong person, you also may be stuck. And so, now, I did not just give you permission to divorce your spouse. That is not what the Bible says. I'm talking about if you're dating someone and it's just not work out, this isn't what God wants, then just move on. And so I just want to encourage you to understand that sometimes it's not that God doesn't want to bless us. We're just going down a path that God never intended. And this is a good reminder that, please keep in mind, he's God and you're the servant. Quit trying to turn God into your servant. Quit trying to tell God what you want and say, God, what do you want from me? Because God's paths are better. His plans are better. He does have a plan for your life. And this leads me to my next one, which is pride oftentimes blocks God's blessing. Our pride. And so and this, this stubbornness and pride go together. Sometimes we're just being stubborn about it, and we get prideful and try to demand our way, but God is ultimately in control. It says in Psalms 138, Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. God keeps his distance from the proud. So if you're prideful, if you're unwilling to admit when you're wrong, 
unwilling to make changes. That's just pride is what, is what we're doing. If you need to say you're sorry to someone, say you're sorry. It's just prideful not to do that. But I just want to encourage you, could God be blocking your blessings because you're being stubborn or prideful? So God has great plans for your life, but you have to be willing to obey and follow his lead. And so sometimes we just, we just need to recognize where we are wrong and change course. You know, next week I'm talking on a message, a brand new series called Take Your Life to the Next Level. And so in this, we're going to give you some real practical principles, but if you will simply apply it. But I want to say, next week if you come with pride and you say, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's for other people. That's when you miss out on God's best. So I just want to encourage you, nothing that God teaches you works if you're not humble. So we have to learn to be humble and teachable and say, God, what do I need to do differently? If you don't, if you don't open your heart to a new way of doing things, you will miss out on the goodness of God this year. So I just want to encourage you to be willing to hear from God in a new way. This leads me to my next point, um, and that is that pessimism or lack of faith will stop God's blessing. This scripture is just shocking to me. Mark chapter 6, check this out. It says, and because of their unbelief, Jesus himself couldn't do any miracles. Think about that. That is crazy talk. Like, what? He's like, Jesus is like, you have such a lack of belief, even I can't do a miracle, and I'm God's son. That's a lack of belief. He, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to, to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. If you're going to amaze Jesus, don't, don't amaze him in this way. You don't want him to go, wow, I'm amazed at how, how much you lack belief, right? So I just want to challenge you to really check your pessimism, which is just another word for a lack of faith. A negative attitude is just another way of saying a lack of faith. A negative attitude is just saying, I don't believe God will come through. I don't believe God has a good plan. I don't believe this will work out. So I just want to challenge you to really check that because oftentimes we don't realize it, but we're not open to new ideas. And so maybe you've got ideas, but your ideas are 10 years old. What if God wants to do something new today? The Bible says, see, I do, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? So I just want to challenge you. And, and I'm saying this as a guy who's been doing the same thing for a long time, and I have to open my heart to new ways of doing things, right? I would challenge you the same way. What is it that maybe worked in the past that it's time to update, to upgrade, to make some changes in? Maybe a whole nother path. It may, just be an adjust, it may just be an adjustment. Either way, one thing I know for sure we all have to adjust is our attitudes. Attitudes are like diapers. Occasionally, they need to be changed. <laughs> you may be carrying a load you don't need to be carrying anymore. <laughs> it may be time to adjust that attitude, all right? If you will do that, you will see God do new things. Oftentimes, you can have a new career. You can have a new marriage. You can have new kids just by changing your attitude towards your marriage, your career, and your kids. And so oftentimes, you are the difference maker. Just change how you approach life, and everything else can change. You know what? We, what's happened is we've gotten so consumed with negative things on social media, with negative news, with the, you know, the sky is falling, everything's bad, and so we quit believing in things. But it's time to start believing in your marriage again, believe in God again, believe in your church again, believe in your country again, believe in your work again, believe in your coworkers again, believe in your kids again, believe God again. I'm trying to tell you God wants to do something new, but you got to change your attitude if you want to see something new happen. God's got great things for you, but it all starts and ends with attitude. You have to change how you see people, how you see the world. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, it's impossible to please God without faith. So we have to have faith in each other again, faith in God again, faith in your future again. 
Don't quit believing that the world's over. Oh, everything's going to go bad. It's all going to be terrible. And this is horrible. I mean, I love how both sides of, of, the, of the aisle politically, they're like, if they get in office, it's the end of democracy. I love that. It cracks me up. I'm like, I think if they got in office because democracy actually won and they voted them in. That's what democracy is, right? And so we always think if I don't get my way, it's the end. And that is the ultimate self-limiting belief. Just because you don't get your way doesn't mean God's not getting his way. So trust in the Lord even when it's dark and doesn't make sense. He does his greatest work oftentimes. Study this in the Bible sometime. Oftentimes his greatest work when he advances people the most was in the worst economies. It was in the most difficulties. It was in the middle of war. It was in the middle of famine. God oftentimes does his greatest work because leaders rise up in hard times, not good times. So let God... Let God raise you up. What does that mean? End the pessimism today. Say, God, I'm going to choose to make this a positive year. Would you do that? You could be the one to change your entire situation. You could be the one to change your whole family. You could be the one that changes everything in your office. You could be the one that changes your entire economy, your entire division of labor, whatever it is you do. You could be the one. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, you could be the one. Just let them know right now. You could be the one. Somewhere right now, there's a single person in our church going, this could really happen. I mean, I actually said to them, you could be the one. I mean, 2023 is looking really up right now. That's praise God. Okay, so pessimism or a lack of faith oftentimes stops God's blessing. There's a true story by a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. Maybe you've heard of him. He just recently passed. Um, he was this great evangelist. In fact, uh, when he was younger, God spoke to him and he said, will you say yes? And, uh, and he said, about what? And the Lord told him, just, will you say yes? And he was like, God, I need to know what I'm saying yes to you. No, will you say yes to me? He said, okay, God, whatever you want, yes, I'll do it. And the Lord told him, okay, go to Africa. So he goes to Africa. He's never done this before in his life. And the Lord tells him, go basically win Africa to Christ. And, and so he goes and doesn't even know what he's doing. He just has to figure it out. And he figures out how to throw a crusade and get people to gather in a room and tell them about Jesus. And pretty soon God's blessing him in such a powerful way. And by the end of his life, by the way, because he said yes, 79 million people became Christians. Because one man said yes. But here's my favorite part of the story. When the Lord called him, what kept him humble was he said, God, you told me to say yes, I'll, I'll, I'll say yes to you. But the Lord said, great. Just remember, you're the third person I've asked. You're my third choice. The first two guys said no. They didn't get to do it. You get to do it. Guys, listen to me. I'm asking God to help our church win a million souls. But the Lord can easily pass us by and use someone else to do it if we don't say yes. Will we be God's people? Will we be the, will we be the ones? Will we choose to let God use us? Or are we going to say no to God? When God speaks to you, say yes. God has big plans for your life. God wants to do great things through you, but you have to be willing to give God your yes. Number five, God will not bless someone who will not give. He won't do it. He will not bless you if you will not become a giver. Malachi chapter three says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have I robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you were cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, that, there, that thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. You know, this is the only place in the Bible God says you can test him. Another scripture says, he says, do not test the Lord your, your God. Is this a contradiction? No. He says, don't test me, but there's only one area I'll let you do it. Money. Why? God knows we're so sensitive about it. Aren't we? We're very sensitive about money. He says, put me to the test on this. See if I want to open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God wants to bless you financially, 
But we have to be willing to give to the Lord first. Proverbs 19 says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. He will repay you. Once again, give to the, God's house. He says, I'll, I'll bless you back. Give to the poor, I'll bless you back. It's a principle. God, God, God will always bless you back. The, the principle here is, is you have to learn to prime the pump. There's, there's a true story in Nevada years ago, like over 100 years ago. There was a pump, a, a well in the middle of the desert in Nevada. And on the well was a little note that was written. It was attached to a little can so they wouldn't lose it. And it literally said, um, you know, dear passerby. It said, I have fixed the valve. I have adjusted this. And that. Talk about the details of what he did for the well, this guy. And he said, here's what you need to do. He said, go over to the shed. Below the shed in a little hole is a small uh, container full of water. Don't drink it. Now think about this. You're dying of thirst. You showed up at a well. You're going to want to drink the water. He's like, oh, there's water, right? He says, whatever you do, don't drink it. Take, the, take one fourth of it, he says, and pour it. And the note, it says, pour it on the leather to soften it up. Take the other three fourths and pour it into the valve and then start cranking like crazy. And he said, have faith, don't drink it. There's a lot more water than in this bottle. It, the well has never failed. Just start pumping like crazy once you pour the water into it and you'll have all the water you need. And then it said at the end of the note, once you're done, refill the water bottle, put it back in the same place, right, for the next person, right? And then it's, it said Desert Pete. That's how he signed it. I love that. Think about that for a second. How many of us get a little something in our hands and God says, have faith. If you'll entrust me with this, if you'll pour that out, there is a well of resource I will bless you with. But will you trust me or are you going to settle for the little in your hand? Will we prime the pump of God and say, God, this year, I want you to bless me. How many of you guys, if you're honest with yourself, say, I want God to bless me financially in 2023. God says, I want to do that too. And I have put a principle in place to make that happen. If you will prime the pump of God and give to him first, then I, you will be starting up the well, the resource of God to overflow into your life. How many guys want that this year? Let's obey God. God will bless you if you become a giver. He will not bless you if you continue to stay stingy. I want to challenge you with that notion. If you begun, begun, become a giver, God really will bless you. I have a very dear friend in the church, very good friend of mine. Um, he, he's incredibly generous. He's one of the most generous people. And I would not say his name. He'll be mad if I say his name. I won't. But one day he told me, I said, well, I said, why are you such a giver? And he said, well, years ago, I was totally broke. My business was falling apart. He said, I came to church. I sat in here, listened to your sermon, and God convicted me. I had $200 in my bank account. He said, I pulled out my checkbook, and I said, God, I've obviously messed everything up in my life. And he said, I wrote a check for the entire amount. I just, here, God, here, here, here's everything. He said, I went home. A week later, literally a guy knocked on my door and said, hi, I'm from so-and-so. I'm a surveyor. I work for an oil company. We have oil that runs underneath your property. We would like to put a lease on your property, give you a percentage. He said, my life changed immediately. He said, but it didn't happen, I don't believe, Pastor, if I wouldn't have given what I had. And so he continued to be generous. Every time I text this guy, hey, man, thanks for giving. Appreciate your generosity. He texts me back, thank you. You guys are amazing. Blah, blah. And I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. I mean, I, I'm thanking him, and he thanks me more. Why? Because he understands the principle of giving. He basically just told me, he said, I'd be a fool to stop giving. I just want you to understand, there's a whole different mindset shift. When you become a giver, you start to realize, guess what? Your world opens up. Also, the opportunities you never would have had before, you suddenly get. Why? That's how God works if you'll become a giver.
Don't stop the blessing of God. Choose today to become bigger. If you say you're being selfish, try to get people to give you church, fine, tithe somewhere else. See if it still works. It'll still work. The principle works. Tithe wherever you want to worship. If you don't trust your church here, then find a church you trust and give there. But don't use the excuse of not trusting a particular church to not give to God at all. That's just an excuse to be selfish. Find where you trust and give there. That's fine. And watch God bless you and bless your family in an amazing way. The last one is this, number six. Sin stops us from God's blessing. Sin stops us from God's blessing. Now, I want to be real clear here. We all sin. We're all, the Bible's very clear. All sin to fall short of the glory of God. So I'm not suggesting that, well, if we can never just ever stop sinning completely, then God will bless. No, we'll never be blessed with that. I mean, we always have sin in our life that we have to repent of. I mean, there's a Texans game today. I will be sinning later on, I promise you. And so... <laughs> We have to confess our sins. I will be confessing my bad attitude, you know, so that kind of thing. So, but the truth is, is that this is not talking about that. Look what God says in Scripture. First Peter, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What he's saying here is those who willfully say, I know it's sin and don't care, God says, I'll turn my face against you. But he says, I won't hear your prayers. Basically, you want your life to dry up? Just willfully continue to sin. So I want to challenge you to say, God, I don't want that. I'm going to stop sinning because I want your blessing in my life. Here's a true story about a guy named Jim Voss. This is in the 70s. He joined the military, and, and he was an okay soldier, but he was really good at being a thief, and he stole a lot from the military. Got caught a couple times, got in trouble. Eventually, he got out of the military. He moved to California, met a girl, fell in love, got married, started an electronics company. The guy was very good with electronics, but again, he was also a thief. So he always tended to use his skills to steal. And so one day a guy walked in his, his, uh, his, his company and they were talking. And he said, hey, I think I, I have a contraption. I, I think I know a way electronically we can steal from the horse races. And he was like, really? So they, he kind of put together something. And sure enough, he used his creative mind to steal and basically created this contraption where he would be able to uh, win bets illegally. Well, it wasn't very long until he was winning several thousand dollars a day. Eventually, people from the underworld caught on what he was doing so he could get real resources to invest a lot more. Now he's knee-deep in the underworld. He's working with mafia guys. I mean, all these really, really shady, shady characters. Well, his wife is wondering what's going on because suddenly they're making tons of money. He's driving a fancy car. He buys her a fancy car. They're upgrading their house. And she finally confronts him and says, what's going on? Where's all this money coming from? He says, from the business. She says, there's no way with what you do that you're making this much money, where is it coming from? Are you stealing again? Because she knew him. She was married to him. Are you back to your old ways? He's, no, 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 I'm fine. It's all, honey. She just starts crying. She knows he's lying. There's just no way this kind of resource is coming from this small of a company. So he finally, to get her off his trail, he says, hey, babe, let's just go down to the beach and let's just go take a walk and have a nice evening. And so he thought, I'll just romance her and get her to quit asking me questions because that had worked before. So they hop in the car and they drive, they're driving down to the beach. On the way to the beach, they run into massive amounts of traffic. This is a true story. Massive amounts of traffic. They're like, what is going on? She's like, oh my gosh, there's people everywhere. And they're all going, where are they going? And they all start filtering in to this one stadium. And as they're all turning in, she looks and she sees a huge banner that says Billy Graham. She's like, honey, Billy Graham's in town. Look, I want to go. He's like, who's that? She's the famous preacher, Billy Graham. He's like, ah. Oh. She's like, come on, let's just go. Let's just go check it out. He said, all right, fine. So he thought, you know what? She's not asking me questions anymore. Sure, we'll do it. <laughs> so he pulls in. They go into the stadium. You're sitting there. And Billy Graham's up, starts preaching after the music. He's sitting there and always thinking about, hey, she's, she doesn't care. She's into this. She's not asking me questions. This is fine. Then Billy Graham says, my message tonight 
is why would a man profit the whole world and yet lose his soul? He's like, you got to be kidding me. So Billy Graham is preaching fire like only Billy Graham can. I mean, he is just going at him, going at him. And at one point in the sermon, all of a sudden he says, because he, he had to fly out that night to go to St. Louis to make another deal with another mafia group. And so at one point in the sermon, Billy Graham says, I believe there is someone here tonight, in that great North Carolina accent that he has, I believe there is someone here tonight that this is your last chance. If you don't obey God now, it's over for you. He was like, what does he know? What does he know that I don't know? I mean, he was shocked. He was freaking out. And he was like, this is your time. Take a step forward right now and give your life to Christ. At that moment, he turned to his wife and said, honey, let's go. She thought that meant let's leave. So she's like, okay. So she follows him and they go down to the state, bottom of the stadium. They're about to exit. She thought. She turned to go exit. And he said, no, 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 this way. And then he took her forward. And he got on his knees. And he gave his life to Christ. Years later, Jim Voss was now a Christian leader a businessman on the up and up with a thriving electronic company sharing his testimony with a crowd. And as he was sharing his testimony, he said, you know what, I used to work with the mafia. I was making all kinds of money. I had everything the world had to offer and I was empty inside and God got a hold of my life through Billy Graham. And he said, and I, instead of jumping on a plane to go to St. Louis to make another bad deal, I got on my knees and gave my life to Christ. At the end of that talk, yeah, how powerful is that, right? At the end of that talk, a lady came up to him to meet him. She said, sir, I just wanted to meet you real quick. And she said, I know who you are. He said, oh yeah, how? He thought maybe she'd heard of him because he spoke like at events like this. And she said, no, you don't understand. Years ago in the early 70s, I worked in the mayor's office in St. Louis. And the FBI had sent us a telegram that you were coming to town and that a rival gang was gonna meet you and kill you. I wanna tell you something the Bible talks a lot about that we don't talk about today in church. The prophets knew it, David knew it, Moses knew it, other men and women of God all throughout the Old New Testament knew it, and that is the fear of God. And I wanna tell you something today, this may be your last moment. And you say, I thought God was a nice loving God, he is. And he loves you enough to say enough is enough. And maybe God is speaking to you today saying, if you do not make a decision today to bow the knee, I will allow the wall of consequences I've been holding back to finally flow. Or you can make a decision today to say, I will give my life fully surrendered to Jesus. I believe that 2023 is going to be different for you only if you bow the knee and say, this is it. I've been trying this on my own for a long time. And how's that working for you? Now is your time. This is your moment to finally fully surrender your sin, your commitment, your life to Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. I love you enough to get in your face today to say God loves you so much, he's giving you this one more chance. Will you take it or will you walk past this and suffer the consequences? Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. You know who God's speaking to, he's speaking to you. If he's talking to you right now, would you lift your hand high and just say, God, I repent. I turn from my ways. I know you're talking to me, God. I know you're speaking to me and I don't want this wall of consequences coming down. Heavenly Father, forgive me. I repent of my sin. I know the choices I've been making will hurt me, my family, my future, and it will continue to stop your blessing. And so Lord, I repent. I choose to turn away 
from this choice, from this lifestyle, from this decision that's hurting my life. If that's you today, lift your hand high and commit to God. Their hands going up all across our churches saying, God, I'm done with it. Just like you warned Jim Boss years ago, I don't know what's on the other side of me saying no to you, so I'm not willing to do that. I will give you my yes. Jesus, I surrender to you. I fully give you my life. No holds barred, no messing around, no more flirting with temptations, no more messing around with sin, thinking I won't get caught. I'm done. I'm all in, God. I'm yours. I'm your guy. I'm your girl. From now on, you have all of me. If that's you, hold your hand high. I'm sorry, that's just too cheap. If that's you, stand. That's just too cheap. I'm sorry. If that's you, stand. If that's you, stand. If you're all in, stand. If you're all in, stand. If you say, I'm done. I'm done, Pastor. I've been doing this. It doesn't work. I, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm all in. Praise God. Praise God. There are people standing all across our churches right now. We're standing up saying, no more. We want to live a righteous life, a life that honors God, that puts him first. I'm done with my sin. I'm done with my past. You're first place, God, from now on. Praise God. Holy Spirit is moving right now in his people, in his church. Praise God. I didn't plan this. This is God. This is God. And I thank God that he's taking over. Praise God. Would you give God a praise right now? Would you just do that? Can we just give God a praise? Can we just honor God? You may be seated. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you can pray this prayer right now and you can receive Christ right now across all of our churches. Just pray this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Every head bowed, right closed. If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. If you just prayed that prayer, just hold your hand high. Just gave your life to Christ. Praise God. Their hands going up all across our churches. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. Praise God. Thank you, Padre Island. Praise God. Come on, Rockport Fulton. Praise God. Thank you. We see your hands. Thank you. Those who are online with us right now, put it in the text chat right now. Text to us, my hands raised. You can just write that or you can write, I gave my life to Christ. And click hand raised right now. Let us know. You're in our prison ministry. Are you all in for Christ? Are you all in? Father, thank you for what you're doing in your house. Thank you for the way we're starting 2023 is to put you first. Thank you, God, for your grace, your forgiveness. Thank you to Lamentations tells us that your mercies are new every day. Our past is behind us and the future you have for us is in front of us. And we will serve you wholeheartedly this year. We are your people. Thank you, God for those who just gave their life to Christ. Thank you, God, for those who just committed themselves, repented of their sin, and put you first. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness and your grace. It's so powerful. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. One last thing before we cut to our local feed, to where we go to our campus pastors. One last thing, I want to challenge you. Something I feel led to do this year 
Daniel chapter 1 tells us of something that's called the Daniel fast. I want to read this to you. Daniel chapter 1. Please test us for 10 days on the diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided by the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret meanings of visions and dreams. I feel led by God this year to start off the next 10 days with a fast. If you feel led to join me, you can. If you cannot do that health-wise, medical-wise, please don't do it unless your doctor would approve of that for you. But if you are in good health and can do it, I believe it will change your year. Because what we're doing, as my friend Jensen Franklin says, is you're dethroning King's stomach. And you're saying, God, I'm willing to seek you to put you first. And so for the next 10 days, I've already started today. I want to challenge you guys to go eat whatever you want. Go have some Mexican food in the name of Bill Cornelius today, please. <laughs> and then tomorrow, start with me. Run over to HEB, raid HEB, get all the fruits and vegetables you can. And join me for the next 10 days in fruits, vegetables, and water if you feel led. If you've never done this before, please don't go 10 days. Go three. Just try it for three days. See how you feel. See how much of a blessing it is. The first day you're going to feel terrible. We always do because you get all those carbs and sugars out of you. Just if you get a headache, take, take Tylenol. It's fine. Go to bed early. The day will go past. Day two or day three, you'll start to feel better. I promise you by day 10, you'll be thanking God that you did it. Because number one, even non-Christians and doctors know this is healthy for you. It really will bless you. It does sort of a reset physically, but more importantly, it does a reset spiritually. So in case you can't tell, we're doing things differently this year. Because I'm convinced, God told me two years ago, 2023 is going to be an amazing year. More on that next week, by the way. We're going to have a word for the year next week I'm going to share with you. You don't want to miss it. So if you feel led, please join me in a 10-day fast. And I believe God's going to do some great things this year in your life in 2023. Thank you, guys. God bless.